Today's podcast regards a renowned Dr. Meg J's argument why 30 is not and should not be the new 20. My name is Lisa Park and you're listening to The Realist. I came across this TED talk that seems kind of intuitive, but I felt like it was something I needed to hear at this time of my life, considering I just graduated college, started my first full-time job, and am further entering my 20s. So I want to share this because it honestly made me want to try to find the balance between living the glorious 20s all college graduates envision and also properly preparing myself by setting some boundaries and overall helpful life reminders. If it helps one person to do the same, I'll consider this episode a success. If not, you will not be hearing from me again. Have a great life. Maybe one day I'll buy you a drink and we can make some dark jokes in the corner of some New York rooftop bar. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay, back to it. Now, back in 2013, Dr. Meg J had a popular TED Talk that was literally called Why 30 is Not the New 20 that amassed over 10 million views on different platforms. Dr. J earned a doctorate in clinical psychology and in gender studies from the University of California, Berkeley. She earned a BA with high distinction in psychology from the University of Virginia. Her work has appeared in numerous media outlets, including the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, LA Times, BBC, and NPR. Meg Jay is a clinical psychologist and associate professor of education at the University of Virginia. She maintains a private practice in Charlottesville. So basically, she is a respected researcher in her field in which she hones in on adults in their 20s specifically. This story follows two timelines, with Dr. Meg Jay's very first psychotherapy client, Alex, and a later patient named Emma. For those who weren't sure, psychiatrists spend much of their time with patients on medication management, whereas psychologists focus extensively on behavioral intervention. Alex was a 26-year-old girl who found herself in the midst of typical dating problems that many of us, I'm sure, have experienced at one point or another. Considering Dr. J's co-worker's first client was an arsonist, this was seen as a pretty good deal by Dr. J. But as time went on, and with the help of her supervisor, Dr. J realized that while Alex wasn't necessarily lighting buildings on fire, she was essentially torching her way through the most crucial years of her adult life. Be patient with me here. This episode is not about the obstacles of dating. Alex seemed to be, in her own words, wasting her time entering relationships with the wrong guys. And while boyfriend drama doesn't seem like a big deal, it represented a greater problem that many 20-something-year-olds undergo in today's society benign neglect of one of the most defining times of our lives. According to census data, there are approximately 50 million 20-something-year-olds in the U.S. According to other research, 80% of life's most defining moments take place by the age of 35. Of course, what equates to defining life moments is subjective to the person, but for the sake of this discussion, we're referring to things that I think on some human level we can all agree are important to us. For example, here were some statistics from Dr. J's TED Talk. Personality changes more during your 20s. Female fertility peaks at age 28. Even your brain caps off its second and last growth spurt in your 20s as it rewires and begins to solidify itself for adulthood. And in Dr. J's words, this meant that 8 out of 10 of the decisions, experiences, and enlightening aha moments that make your life what it is will have happened before your mid-30s. 
Now, this may seem like a scary sentiment, and of course, it isn't this black and white. Who you are by 35 definitely will not dictate who you become afterwards, but it sure is an important admonition to consider in terms of how we as a society view and approach our 20s in today's generation. For example, researchers have been referring to the 20s as an extended adolescence, 20-year-olds as kidults and twixters. I'm not kidding. I mean, you cannot even deny that there is a notable shift in millennial behavior compared to prior decades, and not just the obvious 1930s and 40s. Things are more lax, more forgiving, more creative, which is a pro, but also more directionless, arguably. Yet, despite in Dr. J's words that your 20s remain the most critical and formative years of your adulthood as your first five years are to your life, we continue to trivialize this decade, robbing our sense of urgency and ambition that we know fuel us. And while therapists are typically the ones who are expected to teach patients, this is exactly what Alex taught Dr. J, who initially regarded and empathized with Alex's problems as typical for her age group. While what I may be saying seem like obvious observations of the world, this is only the beginning of Dr. J's viral message. Some years later, a new client named Emma walked into Dr. J's office. Not much different than Alex, Emma was a 25-year-old female who was having what we call an identity crisis. Estranged from her family and living with a borderline abusive boyfriend, she had spent the last couple of years waiting tables to sustain her life despite wanting to work in marketing. I know what you're thinking. Well, no, duh. Why would Emma be waitressing if she wanted to work in marketing? Well, a job is a job, and at least Emma was being a productive citizen. But we also make these similar mistakes all the time in our day-to-day lives. We intern or apply for jobs we know we don't want to pursue because it's something else on our resume, something to knock off to make sure we weren't interested in. We date people who don't check our boxes, per se, or what I like to call satisfy our make it or break it, because it's fun. While it is difficult for Dr. J to observe Emma suffering, what Emma needed wasn't a surrogate emergency contact or friend who's going to tell her to have faith and that things will eventually get better. What Emma needed was behavioral intervention. Based on Dr. J's experience with Alex, she learned it was now or never to impact the rest of Emma's life. Because even though Emma may quit her current job or break up with her current boyfriend, she may settle for the next ones. Dr. J wants every 20-year-old to know to forget an identity crisis and get some identity capital. What this means is that everything you do, everything, is an investment in who you want to be next, a perpetually advancing identity as identity capital begets identity capital. Let's think about this. I once read that the decisions you make now will shape the person you will be in the next three years. And while three years seems like a definitive and unfounded amount of time to see the future fruits of your current labor, the important message here is that even the littlest and especially the biggest things you decide to do now will impact where you will be sooner than you realize. Let's bring this into a bigger perspective. There is the classic quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, attributed most often to motivational speaker Jim Rohn. There's also the Show me your friends and I'll show you your future derivative. Trite, hackneyed, we all know this and we're sick of hearing it. But one article written by David Burkus titled, You're Not the Average of the Five People You Surround Yourself With, shows that it's actually way bigger than that. You're the average of all the people who surround you. 
For example, cause and effect data conducted by Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler found that if your friend smokes, you are 61% more likely to be a smoker yourself. Understandable. But if a friend of your friend smokes, you are still 29% more likely to smoke. And for a friend of a friend of a friend, the likelihood is still 11%. Similar studies revolving weight changes and happiness were also conducted showing similar results. Another example here is part of Dr. J's speech that gave a great analogy to something she sees every day in her office regarding how 20-something-year-olds approach deciding who to enter romantic relationships with. Dating in my 20s was like musical chairs. Everybody was running around and having fun. But then sometime around 30, it was like the music turned off and everybody started sitting down. I didn't want to be the only one left standing up, so sometimes I think I married my husband because he was the closest chair to me at 30. Where are the 20-somethings here? Do not do that. Okay, now that sounds a little flip, but make no mistake, the stakes are very high. When a lot has been pushed to your 30s, there is enormous 30-something pressure to jumpstart a career, pick a city, partner up, and have two or three kids in a much shorter period of time. Many of these things are incompatible, and as research is just starting to show, simply harder and more stressful to do all at once in our 30s. This is just a small example of what Dr. J is trying to relay in her message. It's not about just personal relationships, but it's about overall growth in all areas of your life being postponed because of this idea that you have infinite amount of time in your 20s. But basically, you hear so many people dating partners that they know they aren't for them. We ask our friends, why are you with them if you're not into it? And what often happens? Two years of their lives pass, and now they're looking for that person they should have and wanted to be looking for earlier, but couldn't because they were comfortable, because they thought they had time, or maybe not enough time to find and settle down with someone new. On to an example regarding careers. These days, video creators, especially YouTube partners, are some of the most influential and affluent young adults any generation has seen. For example, after initially joining YouTube in 2006 and creating his now famous channel in 2010, there are estimates that PewDiePie's average earnings are $20,000 per video. Some say under $1 million per month. Can't be both because that would be 50 videos a month and that's just not humanly possible. Who knows? These records are not certain. Nonetheless, with over 100 million subscribers, PewDiePie is making a lot of money, and money he and other content creators deserve, of course. The point is, is that where you want to be in a couple of years can be determined by the decisions you make today. Had PewDiePie not decided to create his channel just a decade ago at age 20, I'm sure his life would arguably be very different today. While this too may seem very apparent advice, ask yourself, what are the things you are doing right now? To qualify, Dr. J isn't discounting 20-something exploration because it's important to have these new experiences and discoveries. If not now, then when? But what she is discounting is exploration that's not supposed to count. We must transform exploration into intentional and purposeful exploration or it just becomes procrastination. So what happened to Emma? As cheesy as it sounds, Emma was a success story. She quit her job, she moved to a different state, left her harmful boyfriend. One of the things that Dr. J suggested is focusing on our weak ties, connections of connections of connections. 
friends of friends of friends, because almost always do new pieces of identity capital come from outside of your current inner circle. Do not be defined by what you didn't know or didn't do, because you can be taught if you're willing to learn if you have even the slightest idea of where you want to go. Emma used her weak ties to get a job at a museum, her old roommate's cousin actually. She eventually became a special events planner for museums. She married a man she mindfully chose, and she later followed up with Dr. J, thanking her for altering the way she decided to view and take control of her life based on purposeful and intentional decisions. She was able to do for Emma what she could not do for Alex. We are so malleable at this age, but the initial pressures of impact are what form the eventual solidified shape that manifests as our lives. Do not let your age scare you. That is not the point of this podcast, nor is the purpose of this podcast to further engender what I believe has become a toxic hustle or fall behind culture. The point of this episode is to ask yourself constantly, are the decisions you are making, whatever they may regard, purposeful? Are they intentional? Are they chosen because they get you closer or will get you closer to your goals and truest desires and feelings of fate? Or are they chosen because they are comfortable, fun, temporary? Because you think you have time to postpone decisions that will not yield learning and improving personal growth beyond knocking things out of the way. Now, of course, I'm sure if you're listening to podcasts, you are way ahead of the average 20-year-old or 20-something-year-old. Nevertheless, we all fall subject to our own vices. Reevaluate your life and think about the areas that you're not applying this sort of mentality to, because there's always an area you can improve on. That's the message of this podcast. Because maybe in three or more years later, you'll be thinking yourself, for putting in that effort to have a more rounded life. Thank you for listening to The Realist.